Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to uplevel your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. Hi, love. Welcome to episode 115 of the Money Love Podcast. Okay, y'all, I am so, so, so excited for this episode today. (laughs) Seriously, so excited. I think you guys are really going to be able to just hear my excitement and just my joy in this conversation today. I truly just felt like I was just jumping out of my seat this entire episode with Ashley because if you know anything about me, you know how seriously I take those four little letters at the start of this episode, Y-N-A-B, which stands for you need a budget. Now, I know that some of you are relatively new to the podcast and maybe you've never heard me talk about YNAB before because you've only been around for a couple of episodes. But for those of you who have been here a while, you know, you know, I don't even have to say anything further. Whether you have started to become a YNAB user because of my recommendation or not, or whether you just use YNAB or not, you know that I love YNAB. You know I do. I talk about it often. I've used it for years. But YNAB, again, which stands for You Need a Budget, is the money management method that has completely changed my life. So yes, it is a software. A lot of people initially kind of view it as, oh, it's just a budgeting software. But I think by the end of this episode, what you guys are going to realize is that it's a lot more than just a budgeting software. I actually think of YNAB more as a method. And that's because there are four primary rules that govern the YNAB system and software and method, which we're going to break down in this episode today. But it's more than just like, oh, let me just budget my money and kind of list out my bills. This is more of a lifestyle and a philosophy that YNAB users live by to manage their money. I've wanted to do this episode for a really long time. And I have to say that although I could have done this episode on my own, I'm so glad that I didn't because in this episode, I have actually brought in Ashley Lapito, who is a personal finance educator for YNAB. Well, she is absolutely lovely. Y'all are just going to fall in love with her by the end of this episode. First of all, she is just so just like calming to listen to. I'm usually pretty calming, but I was like the golden retriever in this episode. Like I was super, super hyper (laughs) during this conversation with her. I'm actually recording this after we've already talked. So you guys are really going to sense that. Like I am just jumping out of my seat the entire time we're talking, but she's fantastic, y'all. So she's a YNAB employee. She works for YNAB, but also go follow her on TikTok. Her TikTok handle, if you're on TikTok, Her handle is The Organized Wallet. It's spelled just like it sounds, but she makes the most incredible videos. They're super fun to watch. They're really aesthetically pleasing. Again, she just has like this really like calm demeanor and just a fantastic voice, which like I know is a weird thing to say, but you guys say that to me sometimes. You're like, I love your voice. Like it's not scratchy. Well, that's how I feel about listening to Ashley. I'm like, oh gosh, like her voice is just so calming and soothing. 
And so this was just such a great episode. I know you guys are going to love her just as much as I do by the end of this. But like I said, she's a personal finance educator for YNAB. And after spending years believing that she was just bad with money before finding YNAB, she's now on a mission to teach others that money management is a skill. Where does that sound familiar? But it's a skill that's never too late to learn. She's earned a reputation on TikTok, again, at The Organized Wallet. She has over 80,000 followers on TikTok. And she really just does give like a refreshingly relatable approach to personal finance, which has helped hundreds of thousands of people learn how to organize their finances and spend with confidence. So there's two things I want to say before we jump in. All right. Y'all, of course, know I got a lot to say about this episode. One. I know that not all of you are YNAB users and you will never be YNAB users. So I want to talk to you guys for just one second before we start this episode. Maybe you've tried YNAB in the past and it just was not for you, which is totally okay and totally fine. I get it. Or maybe you have something else that works really, really well for you, whether it's pen and paper or an Excel spreadsheet or some other money management software that is working really, really well for you. First of all, what I want to say to you guys is like, do not fix what's working. Don't try and fix something that's not broken. This conversation is not to pull those of you who are really happy with a method and a software that you have found and that you love over to YNAB. I actually don't want you doing that. I don't want you reinventing the wheel. If you have found something that you like, stick with it. But even though you will never use YNAB because you're happy with where you are, YNAB just didn't work for you, that doesn't mean that this episode is just totally off the table for you and it's not going to help you. Because the truth is, is that The things that Ashley and I touch on in this episode, we talk about the YNAB method, the rules. We talk about giving yourself grace. We talk about little treat culture. We talk about making a plan for your money that reflects your unique goals and personality. All of those things and everything we talk about can be taken and implemented into whatever budgeting software or method that you are currently using. So even if it's not YNAB, this conversation and episode is still going to be highly relevant to you. And I still encourage you to give this episode a listen. And then I want to talk to those of you who you don't have something yet. And you've heard about YNAB and you're like, yeah, I've I've heard it. Maybe you've dabbled in it a little bit, but you've never actually been fully committed to seriously giving it a go. If that's you, after you listen to this episode and you're like, okay, this actually sounds like something that might work well for me, Here's just some things that I want you to do and some next steps. I want you to do the free trial. They offer a free 30-day trial, no credit card required, so you can go and start your trial. If you go to the show notes of this episode, you'll be able to find my affiliate link to start your trial. And I recommend that you do that because by using my link, after your 30-day trial, you will also get a free month. So it's almost like getting two free months before you actually have to pay anything at all, which is fantastic. And if you don't want to use my link, you don't have to use my link. The thing is, is like once you become a YNAB user, everybody has a link. Like I'm not special or anything for having a link. Every YNAB user has a link. So if you don't want to use my link, but you know somebody else in your life, like maybe you have a close friend that uses YNAB, like use their link. It doesn't matter. But just use someone's link because by using someone's affiliate link, you will get yourself a free month. After you've started your trial, make sure that you plug into all of the amazing resources that YNAB offers. 
they have workshops, they have an extensive YouTube channel with a lot of different tutorials. They have Facebook groups with thousands of people in the group that if you go in there and you ask a question, you will get help and you will get answers and you will get support. That's my biggest thing, y'all. It's like, if you're going to give this a go, like really, really give it a go. I mentioned this a couple of times in the episode, but like it can take a little bit of time for this to click in your head. There are certain things about the YNAB method that are a little different than how we're typically taught to think about managing your money. And it can take a little bit of time to get our brains wrapped around that. But for most people, from what I've heard, it takes a little bit of time to click. But once it clicks, it clicks and you're like, oh my gosh, I love this. This is amazing. But just know that it's going to take a little bit of time. And if you get in there and it takes you a little bit of time to warm up to it, like that is totally and completely normal. Okay. Those were the two big things I wanted to say. I hope you love this conversation. I certainly loved it. If you have any questions at all after you've listened to this, please reach out to me. I will do my absolute best to help you and get you the information that you need. So without further ado... Here is my conversation with Ashley at YNAB about the money management system that has literally transformed my life. I hope you guys love it. See you next week. All right, Ashley, welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I am so excited to have you on today to just talk all things YNAB and making a plan for your money and aligning your spending to your values. Like Honestly, there's just so much we're going to cover today and we're just thrilled to have you on. So welcome. Thank you so much. Those are all my favorite things to talk about. So I'm thrilled to be here with you. Great. Well, just let's start off here. Go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone listening, just who you are, your background and your role at YNAB, what you do and kind of how you got to where you are today. My name is Ashley. I'm the video content manager at YNAB. I spent most of my adult life thinking I was just bad at money and There was nothing I could do about it. It was just something I had to accept about myself. And then five years ago, I read a book, which led me to YNAB. And if a listener is listening in unfamiliar, YNAB is a powerful method for managing your money. It's also an app that has helped millions of people change their relationship with money. So if you could have told the me five years ago that I would be on a podcast called Money Love, talking to someone who is a spending expert, I would never have believed you so As we start off, if I could just say one thing, that managing money is a skill so that you are even listening into this podcast today is such a huge step. And I'm really excited for this conversation. Yeah. You kind of just like hit on one of my taglines pretty early. Like I always say like spending is a skill, right? And I think that is one of the huge things of just getting your mindset right around money is like just understanding that this is something that you have to work at. None of us really come into the world knowing really anything about money or how to manage money. And I tell my audience that all the time. I'm like, listen, don't fall into the lie that like, oh, I'm just not good with money. Cause it's like, no one's really good with money, right? It's like the people who are good at money are just the people who simply took the time to just dive into it a little bit and practice it. And once you do, you kind of realize like, oh, this isn't this isn't so hard. I always say it's kind of like the monster that like hides under your bed. Like you work it up into in your head as like this huge big thing, but it really just takes a little bit of time of like diving in. And I always say that with YNAB. I'm like, just try it, just dip your toes in. It's not something that comes naturally to a lot of people and it is, mm-hmm. is a skill. Let's kind of start talking about 
YNAB. I mean, I told you this before we started recording, but it's like anyone who listens to my podcast knows that I love YNAB. Like seriously, I'm a, I'm a ride or die. I've used YNAB for years. Anytime anyone comes to me and they're like, what budgeting software should I use? And not even a budgeting software, right? It's like what you said. It's like a system. I don't even view it as like a budgeting software, but I'm like, you got to try YNAB. It's just, it's so different than anything out there. And I think what makes it so different is you guys, again, it's like a lifestyle that you live, right? And you guys have these four rules and these four principles that you live by. So I would love to kind of take us through that. So why don't we just start with the first one and just kind of go from there? Okay. Rule number one is give every dollar a job. And I think like you hit on, we have these preconceived notions of budgets and what budgeting means. And I think if you would ask like 22 year old me, I would say I want nothing to do with a budget because Mm -hmm. that's restrictive. And it's telling me that I can't buy the things that I want to buy. So this shift with rule one of giving every dollar a job, it's putting you in control. You're the one telling your money. These are the things that we are going to do. So every time you get paid, money comes in from a side hustle, you sell something, somebody, you get money for a birthday present. You're determining what you want those dollars to do before the next time more money comes in. And this was so powerful to me. There's two extra parts to this rule that I think YNAB does very differently. The first is we are only talking about money you have right now. In the past, when I had decided like this month, I'm going to be different. I'm going to be this new, better version of me. And I'm going to make the best possible decisions with my money. I would project how much I expected to bring in that month. And to me, that made money feel less real. And when you are only allocating the money that you have right now, sitting in your checking account, sitting in your savings account, it makes every decision feel, you feel the pain of a purchase, which is really important. You are seeing like the number in your checking account go down. So that's really important. And the second thing is when I say give every dollar a job, it's not just the checking account dollars. It's the savings accounts dollars too. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you this was your experience too. But when I was younger, I would say like, I would have these goals and I would say, okay, with this paycheck, I'm going to take $250 and I'm going to send it to my savings account for this goal that I had in my mind. But of course, like things would come up during the month. And I felt like that $250 was just being sent to the savings account, back to the checking account, to the savings account. And when I really embraced rule one of giving every dollar a job, I named instead of just calling it arbitrary savings, this Mm -hmm. is the goal. This specific thing is what I'm saving for. Yeah. Suddenly saving became almost fun. Like, is that something you can even say? Like these dollars are being set aside for this specific purpose. That's important to me. Yes. Okay. So there's a couple of things I want to touch on here because there's a couple of things with this one specifically that I hear a lot with my audience. And I know that other people could be thinking, it as well. I am 100% with you that the biggest mindset shift that you have to get your brain wrapped around when you start using YNAB is what you said. You're only assigning money that you have available to you, which is pretty much different than any other system or method that you're going to try. Because to your point, any other system, it's like you're already spending money that you haven't even received yet. And I think a lot of people are like, well, what's the big deal around that? Like, that's how everybody does it. 
But what I find, especially with women in my community who do struggle, like we're spenders, right? Like we love to spend money. It can be a very slippery slope to like already start spending money that you haven't even received yet. And I find like, that's typically how you get yourself into debt. That's how you get yourself into the credit card float where it's almost kind of like you're like a paycheck behind and you're trying to catch up. And so it's a little different at first. It's by far the thing that you have to get your brain kind of, I don't know, reset to. But once it clicks, like this is what everyone tells me. They're like, once it clicks, it clicks. Like it took a bit for it to click, but then it clicked and it was like, whoa, this is game changing. But two other things that I want to tell people, because this is what I hear the most with this role. People think that when you're only assigning the money that you have, that like, let's say you're paid twice a month, or let's say you're paid four times a month. What I often hear people say is like, okay, well, does that mean that I'm creating four budgets every single month? Or does that mean that I'm creating two budgets every single month? And I can have you like chime in on this, but the answer to that is no. Even though you're only assigning the money that you're, that you have currently, it doesn't mean that you have to be creating like two budgets or four. It's not like you're doing twice the amount of work or four times the amount of work. No, I still set up YNAB as a month, but this is, we do have a powerful tool called targets within YNAB. So it's maybe somebody who's getting started and your first paycheck will only cover maybe half of the categories, Yeah, setting up targets in each of the categories. So if I have a thousand dollars to allocate, I'm not going to put all thousand dollars in my grocery category because I'm not going to need that. Probably I will just put, okay, I'm going to put $200 from this paycheck. And when I get paid again, that target will remind me, Hey, this is how much you said you wanted to spend on groceries. So from the second paycheck, I'll allocate money there. Yeah, exactly. And that can also be really powerful too, for larger expenses that you have, like maybe with your rent or mortgage or things like that. Right. I always say kind of like getting yourself off the money roller coaster where money feels so up and down. It's almost kind of like feast and famine where it's like your entire paycheck that you get on the last day of the month or the first day of the month, like all of that gets sucked up by all of your bills. And then the second paycheck, like on the 15th, you're like, woohoo, like all of my bills have been paid for the month. And then you go and spend, spend, spend. And so it just creates this very like up and down relationship and kind of like tumultuous relationship with your money. And to what you're saying, YNAV visually allows you to like spread it out. You're like, okay, if my rent is a thousand dollars, I'm going to put $500 from this paycheck and $500 from next paycheck. So it kind of evens out, right? It kind of makes your money a lot less boring, but boring is good. We don't want to be on the up and downs. One more thing I hear all the time about this one point is giving every dollar a job. Something that I hear all the time is people go, I'm scared to do that because they think by doing that, that they're going to spend all of their money and have zero in their checking account. They think what that means is like spending their checking account down to zero. So could you clear that up for us? Because that's something I also hear all the time about this rule that's just misconstrued. Oh, that's so interesting, but I can totally see that. When we say give every dollar a job, it is, of course, going to bills and things that are going to come out this month. But when I get paid on Friday this week, I will also be setting aside money for a trip that I will not take until next year. So that money is being set aside. I'm getting the clarity, which I think is so powerful about rule one. So I am not going to spend that money because I know when that trip comes around, future me is going to love having all that money set aside. So yes, every single dollar is getting allocated until I have zero left to do, but I'm not spending my checking account or saving account down to zero each month. Yeah, that's perfectly said. It's basically just 
deciding what you want every single dollar to do. Think of like every dollar kind of like a soldier, right? And you got to give every soldier like a a mission of like, okay, you're going to go here and you're going to go here. It doesn't mean that you're completely like depleting your bank account or you're getting it down to zero. It just means that you're giving every dollar a job. Because what I see a lot with my clients, they will just have almost kind of like a pile of money in their checking account. And it's kind of like, okay, well, what is this for? And they're like, well, I don't know. It's just, it's just there in their minds. They kind of have this threshold that they don't want to go below. And I kind of understand like why our brains work that way. Like I understand kind of like the safety that comes from that, but I'm also like, we can still do something with that money. Like it can still sit in your checking account. So you kind of have that buffer in your checking account, but let's not just have this like random pile of money sitting there. Let's actually do something with it and make a purpose for it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Number two, what's the second rule? Okay. You talked a little bit about a money roller coaster. And I think rule number two is going to be the key to evening things out. So rule number two is embrace your true expenses. A true expense is either an irregular expense or a non-monthly expense. So when I think through my own spending plan in YNAB, right at the top is credit card membership fees. So that will come due once a year. It's a couple hundred dollars. But I, instead of being surprised, when that comes and I'm like, oh, I forgot that that was coming out this month. It's built in and I have a target. So every time I get paid, I just set aside a little bit of money. So things like credit card membership fees, auto maintenance, something Mm -hmm. where you don't exactly know when it's going to happen, but that version of you that's stuck on the side of the road and thinking, oh my gosh, they're going to be so happy that today you set aside a little bit of money. This was a big learning curve that I had to experience when I first started using YNAB is that there is no such thing as a normal month. I would set aside and like, oh, look at my beautiful plan and everything's going to go perfectly and it's going to be wonderful. But there are always random expenses that come up and it could be something that we know about like holiday shopping. It's not that easy to think about that in April when you have a lot of stuff going on in your life. And you Mm -hmm. talked a little bit about that, like the mental load that we all have of managing household, work responsibility, keeping up with friends and relationships, getting everything down on paper and really embracing those true expenses. It's just one less thing that we have to think about a little weight lifted off of our shoulders. In my world, I kind of call these like sinking funds. I think a lot of people kind of call it sinking funds, but that's what this concept is, y'all. When you can do this second rule, what ends up happening is you end up becoming proactive with your money versus reactive with your money. And it's such a more like powerful place to be when you know I am prepared for what's coming six months down the road, 12 months down the road. I feel like there's two categories of this. It's like the stuff that we know about, like to your point, credit card annual fees, your Costco membership, your Amazon Prime membership, like stuff like that. I always give my audience a little bit of tough love on this. I'm like, we should not act surprised every year when these transactions hit us. I mean, I get it. A lot of a lot of the times we are, we're like, oh my gosh, like it's February again. I have to pay my Amazon Prime. But it's like, this happens every year. Like, let's start planning so that we're not surprised. But then to your point, there's the stuff that we know is going to happen. We just don't know the details of it yet. Yeah. Like the car, the house, gifts, shower gifts, wedding gifts, things like that. And something I hear a lot is, well, I can't get ready for it if I don't know the specifics of it. But I just don't think that's true, right? We know that your car is going to need something. We know that your house is going to need something. And that's what this is. Not having to rely on credit cards or to rely on debt when this stuff happens because you already have the money sitting there. 
Yes. Just this morning, I was like, oh, I'm going to be, look at me being proactive. I'm going to put in a load of laundry really quick before work starts and throw everything into the dryer and it's making a weird noise and it's not that old. So that's either going to be a repair or worst case, it's going to be something new. I didn't know that this was going to happen, but I just have a broad home maintenance category and it has a few thousand dollars sitting in there. So yes, is it annoying? One million percent. Yes, but it's not going to throw off all of my different financial goals because of this one thing breaking. Yeah. I want to say that YNAB makes it so incredibly easy to like organize this y'all because a common question I get is like, okay, intellectually, I understand what you're saying, but like practically in my actual bank accounts and in my budget, how do I do all this and how do I manage all of this? And I'd love to hear how you do it. I can share how I do it, but YNAB just makes it so, so easy to set up all these categories, set goals, with a click of a button, I can literally assign money there. So how do you keep all of these different true expenses, saving pools organized in your own finances? That's funny you bring that up because getting organized with my money is exactly the thing that brought me to wind up in the first place. Mm-hmm. Back in 2017, my husband got this new job where he was overseas for months at a time. And he had our entire marriage been the one that handled paying the bills and making sure everything was okay. And I thought, well, this isn't fair. He's having this job and I I could do this. I could totally do this. That first month I missed paying a bill and I was so frustrated with myself and embarrassed. And I thought I knew I was bad at money. And here, here I am again, just like Mm -hmm. proving it to myself over and over again. So I remember sitting down on my couch thinking, I think if I had a pretty app where it could all be listed out and look really beautiful, then I could stay on top of things. And later that evening, I happened to see an ad for YNAB and decided, okay, let me just give this a shot. So seeing everything listed out. So in my YNAB, I have different categories like my credit card payments, bills. I'm a little subscription happy. So I, it's a lot of categories, but I like to see all my subscriptions listed out. I think it like makes it more visible and it makes it clear to me if I'm having to see them every time I log yeah. in, I'm like, is this really, am I getting the benefit of it? So right underneath mm-hmm. subscriptions, I have true expenses or sinking funds. So each one of them will have a target on it for home maintenance. As an example, I think I took like 3% of the value of my house and set that as a goal and gave myself a year or two years to get there. So it's just that money is pooling up a little bit. And then something like I just had to pay personal property tax. I know every six months I have to pay that. So I will put a date on that target. So then it's just like a little miracle that happens every six months. I'm like, oh gosh, I have to pay this again. And the money is just sitting there waiting for me. Yeah. And so I think like for me, it's funny because you're saying like you kind of break everything like line item by line item for me. And I think this is the beauty of it, right? Like when you're using a method like YNAB is like you make it your own and you do it of what works best for you. For Ashley, it's like she wants to have everything, every little category. For me, what I do is I just have one line item in YNAB that just says subscriptions that covers all of my subscriptions. And I've just done the math and like added all of those up and then set that as the goal. Or some people are like, oh, am I going to have to have 10 savings accounts and stuff like that? No, you can if you want to. Some people do because they like it and they don't mind that level of management, I guess you could say. But I just keep all of the money set aside for my true expenses. Like it's just sitting in my checking account. So when you log into my checking account, my checking account looks like it's like, whoa, it kind of has like all this money in it. In my bank account, you're just looking at a number. It doesn't really make any sense. Just like this random number. 
When you go into YNAB though, you can break that number down across, this is how much is set aside for my fixed expenses for this month. And this is how much is set aside for stuff that's coming up in the next like six to 12 months. But YNAB allows you, like I say, like it's spoken for, like that money is spoken for. So again, that's how I love to kind of hear like, how do you do it? I think it's helpful for people to kind of hear how different people do it. But the point is, is that it allows you to manage it a lot of different ways, whatever kind of like clicks best in your own head. So that's probably my favorite rule out of the four. So okay. So rule number three. This is my favorite rule out of the bunch. Rule two is the magic for me. That was when I was like, this effort I'm taking in learning this new skill is worth it because look, I'm not having the stress when something like taxes comes due. And I think rule three is what has kept me going because even when, and I almost feel like when you start trying to learn something new, things come up and you are almost like feeling this resistance and having to work through it. So rule number three is roll with the punches. And it simply means when life circumstances, when priorities change, your money plan also changes. And not only is it okay, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I think we've kind of touched on this a couple different times. There is so much control with this method. And this is just another way of, I'm not reacting. Yeah. Of course, life is going to throw stuff at me, but I'm getting new information and I'm adjusting my plan. So many times when I had tried to be like the better version of myself and take control, the first time something happened in the month where I overspent a category and I thought, next month, I'll try again. Yeah. And it's just this cycle over and over again. But now I still will overspend a category. But when that happens, I cover it. I move money from another category and talking about why we assign all the way down to zero. That's why it's so important because you are faced with these choices. So when we talk about overspending, I see that that just doesn't happen in a vacuum. When I overspend, I'm affecting something else, another goal that I had been working on. And maybe that's fine. And I work through that in my mental state. I'm like, oh yeah, that I want to make this purchase. I want to overspend this category, but I'm still having to face that choice every single time. So rule three is giving yourself grace as you Mm -hmm. are learning a new skill. It's giving yourself grace as life happens. And it's telling yourself you can do this. You can do this. And the plan is just there to get you where you want to go. Yeah. This rule is probably the number one rule that I think people attribute themselves not being good with money or not being good with budgeting is the part where it comes down to actually like sticking to the plan. I think a lot of people are good at making the plan. And I feel like for 60, 70% of people, that's as far as they ever get. And I always say, if you're not actually like tracking what's going on and making adjustments throughout the month, and to your point, following this third rule of kind of rolling with the punches, like if you're just writing down your bills on a piece of paper, Sure, that's a great start and it's good to have that visibility, but that's not actually like making a plan for your money. That's just like writing your bills on a piece of paper. But I think a lot of people, they're like, oh, I'm not good with money. I'm not good with making a financial plan because of this part, because they're like, I can't stick to it. And I'm like, listen, most people aren't sticking to it. (laughs) Like, I think you have this idea in your head of like, oh, there's people out there who like go and they make a plan and they stick to it perfectly. And I've told my audience this before. I'm like, I don't think literally I have ever once ever. And I don't think I ever will. And it's not even something that I strive to, but I'm like, I don't think I've ever made a plan for a month in YNAB and like perfectly executed it. 
I am moving stuff around all the time. It's fun for me too. Yes. And to your point, I'm always like, if your budget isn't flexible and it's not fluid, it's not going to be sustainable because life's not like it's going to work out in like this pretty little box every single month. It has to be able to roll with the punches, to be fluid, to move around with your life. And if it's not, it's not going to be a plan that's going to work for you. I love that so much. When we think about rolling with the punches, a lot of times I think we go to a negative space, like the example of my dryer potentially being on the fritz, but it's also can be fun things. A friend coming into town unexpectedly. Last week, I was on a road trip with my sisters and we passed this place that did permanent jewelry. And I can tell you right now, there was not this perfect little category in my budget for permanent jewelry, but we all decided it would be so fun and it would be a great way to remember this trip. So I made the purchase. And then when I got back to YNAB, when we got back home, I just simply moved some money around. So that is a way where our plan adapts with us, with whatever different choices we make, whatever life throws at us. And it's okay. That's what makes doing this whole thing sustainable and worth doing in the first place. Yeah. And I think this one is so key on just giving yourself grace when things do need to change and not viewing it as a bad thing or like something has gone wrong or you're screwing it up, but it's just like, this is, this is life. Right. And you're just kind of rolling in it. So do you have any tips that you like to give people? Cause I feel like this is the one area where people really like, they beat themselves up pretty hard. There's a lot of shame and a lot of guilt around it. So do you have any tips for just like giving yourself some grace when you are following this third rule of rolling with the punches? That's a great question. When you are following the first two rules, you're being proactive. You're giving dollars a job. You're also preparing for the future, whatever it may hold. You are building a little margin in your life. And that margin is so valuable. And I think when things come up, I had some unexpected vet bills that happened this summer and I have a vet bill category and it had been building up over time and it did feel like thousands of dollars gone within an instant, but how powerful. And I think this is my advice to remind yourself, you did not have to reach for your credit card. Yeah, it might not be great to see that category, but go back down. But what a win for you and celebrate that, even though it might not feel great in the moment. That is such a huge difference from how I was with money beforehand, just having to fall back into debt to cover every little thing. So it might not feel great, but it is a win and you deserve to celebrate that. Such a huge reframe. I absolutely love that. Okay. So the fourth and final rule. The fourth one is basically a culmination of the first three. When you are giving every dollar a job, you are embracing your true expenses and you're rolling with the punches. Eventually you will start to age your money. When I teach this, I refer to it as building your buffer. You are slowly going to start increasing your sinking funds are growing. There's a little bit more breathing room in your spending plan. And I goal that a lot of new YNABers have is that eventually they want to be spending money that they made last month. And when you get to that point, it is such a different feeling. And that is when logging into your spending plan. And that's when things get fun because you are just building it. So if you could ask yourself this, if you got paid today, how long would it take for you to spend one of those dollars? Mm -hmm. And I know for myself, I got married pretty young. And I think 
we did the things that we were supposed to do. We bought a car with an expensive car payment. We bought a little starter townhouse and I thought things were great till a couple years in, we experienced a job loss and Paige, how quickly things fell apart still to this day, absolutely blows my mind. So when you are stuck in that earn spend cycle and there's no margin in your life and something happens, you're just, you're left without any foundation. So this rule four is all about setting yourself up for success so that when something like that impacts you and it will impact you, but it won't be so devastating. Yeah. The way that I phrase it is like, when you get paid, you want your money going forward in time, not backwards in time. And I feel like for a lot of people, the money is going backwards in time. I think you explained it beautifully of the money that you're getting today, how long is it going to take you to spend it? I think that's a really easy way for me to understand this concept of aging your money and kind of the opposite of that. Like I'm going to be doing a future podcast episode on this, like breaking this down, but why not? I don't know if you guys like coined this. Maybe you can like clear this up for me, but did you guys coin the term, the credit card float? Oh, that's you great know, I, I remember reading about it in Jesse's book. And that was the first time yeah. I had ever heard like anyone ever like use that term before. If but I know it's something that you typically talk about kind of in the YNAB world is the credit card okay. flow, which is basically like the opposite of it. That's that basically means your money, your age of money is kind of like in the negative, right? Like when you're getting paid, your money's going backwards in time versus forwards in time. If listeners are a part of like the YNAB community, my coworker, Hannah, who does a lot of our YouTube videos, her video submission to get that job was all about the credit card float. And it's still one of my favorite videos. She actually had a root beer float with credit cards in it. And it was very cute. Uh, and adorable. <laughs> it was such a cute video, but it is a serious topic. And it was something I was even talking about with a friend recently who has said that she, she doesn't understand why she pays off her credit card bill every month when she gets paid at the end of the month, but she still feels this anxiety. And yeah. I think she's on the credit card float. How YNAB deals with credit cards. I love, like it just works for my brain. So yeah. when I was in my early twenties, I got in bad trouble with credit cards and instead of taking proactive action, I just swore them off. I will never use a credit card. Clearly I can't be trusted. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until using YNAB for quite a while that I said, maybe I could try this. So within YNAB, you have all of your different categories. So let's take groceries. I have a hundred dollars sitting in my grocery category. And after I hang up with Paige, I'm running out to Wegmans and I'm going to spend all hundred dollars. What YNAB does is that it takes that hundred dollars out of the grocery category and it socks it away in your credit card payment category. That is easy to say, and I know it might be confusing. We have so many videos. If you search credit card float or credit cards on YouTube, some of our videos will come up. But knowing in my mind, right this very second, I could pay off my credit card and that's all with money I already have. I'm not having to say like, when I get paid next, then I can pay off my credit card. Yeah. And I think if people could really commit to that, I think some of that anxiety would go away. So but that is a good question. I don't know if we coined that or if we just say it an awful lot. Credit cards is the thing that really sold me on YNAB because before using YNAB, I used every dollar. And I mean, of course, there's nothing in every dollar for credit cards because right. Dave Ramsey's philosophy is that you shouldn't even be using them in the first place. When I first came into the personal finance world, I think like a lot of people, Dave Ramsey was the first person that I just like found on YouTube. And 
kind of went down the Dave Ramsey rabbit hole and the baby steps and all of that sort of stuff. But I kind of started to get to a point where I'm like, but I think I want to use credit cards. Like, I think I, I think I want to get the points and the miles and have it help my credit score and just all the amazing benefits that can come from them if you're using them in a responsible way. And that's what sold me on YNAB because when I started using it, it's kind of like getting your mind wrapped around only budgeting money that you have. It takes a little bit to get your mind wrapped around how credit cards work in YNAB. But like I said, once it clicks, it clicks. And once it clicks, you're like, whoa, (laughs) like this is game changing, totally game changing. Because to your point, YNAB will tell you if you are spending money that's already spoken for, because that money actually needs to go towards a credit card to pay off a past purchase that went on to a credit card. And that is how you kind of get yourself out of the credit card float. And I think that something that I hear, I, this is just this message in personal finance is like, just make sure that you're paying your credit cards off, pay your credit cards off every time that you're paid. But it's like, that's not the end all be all. Yes, it's good that you're doing that. People are like, should I not be doing that? I'm like, no, it's not to say that you shouldn't be doing that. But the reason it's called the float, y'all, like this is what clicked in my head, is that if you're getting paid and then you have to spend either all of your paycheck or a big portion of that paycheck to pay off a credit card and go back in time. And then you're sitting there with your checking account and you're like, I don't have enough money in my checking account to pay for the things that I need to pay for until I get paid again. Then what happens is, is that all of the transactions and expenses that you have between now and when you're paid again have to go on a credit card because you don't have the money sitting in your checking account. So your credit card is floating you until you get paid again. That is why it's called the credit card float. And to your point, that's why people are like, I'm confused because I feel like I'm doing what I should be doing. I'm doing what people tell me to do, but I still feel stressed. I still feel stretched. I still feel like I don't have what I need to embrace my true expenses, plan for the future, things like that. I feel like I'm doing the right thing, but something just feels off. And to your point, it's like, if that's how you feel, it's probably because you're in the float. And I did a video on TikTok about this and people were like, so many people in the comments going, Oh my God. Like, I didn't know that's what it was, but that's what I'm in. Like, I've never heard anyone say that before, but like, that's what I'm in. And so if you're listening to this and you're like, Oh, (laughs) why not start with why not? Because everyone's like, how do I get out of it? And my answer is always like, why not? You start using why not? That's how you get out of it. Well, I'm glad you made that TikTok that people need to know that because just like you said, when you get a paycheck, the last thing you want to do is have to turn around and be like, oh, let me pay for all the stuff that I bought over the past couple months. It's so Mm -hmm. much more exciting and makes you feel like you're getting some traction with your goals when you're looking ahead and putting that paycheck forward instead of backward. Yes. Love that. All right. Speaking of TikTok, I want to talk about a little trend. I love talking about TikTok trends, right? Like I talk about de-influencing and girl math. Like I just did a podcast episode on girl math, right? But I feel like there's another TikTok trend that I see a lot. Little treat culture. Mm. I feel like that's something that it kind of pairs really nicely with the girl math, right? Of like, ooh, I'm just going to go get myself a little treat. But I know you guys have done, I think you did a study on this or you do a lot of videos on this like little treat culture. So talk about that for a bit. I'd love to get your thoughts. YNAB recently did a study, a survey to find out, just curious more about people's impulse spending habits. And this probably will not come as a shock to you because of the nature of your work, but 94% of Americans admit to impulse spending. So that statistic wasn't a shock. I think the sad statistic for me was that 52% of those people said that impulse spending and treating themselves was holding them back from their financial goals. 
And that I feel like doesn't have to be like we, yes, we are people in this world and it does feel nice to buy pretty and fun things, but let's plan for them. Mm-hmm. And I think you can even plan for spontaneity in your budget. Like I have a category. That's where the jewelry with my sisters came out from. I hadn't pre-planned that, but I had set aside money where its job is just to have fun. So when I'm out in the world, oh yeah, like let's do this thing or let's buy a coffee or like, oh, those flowers are so beautiful. I want to take those home. But that money is earmarked ahead of time for specific fun treats. And when I'm pulling from that category, I'm not having to touch a category like the sinking funds we've talked about or something like saving for retirement or investing. So you are giving yourself the fun without any of the heartache of having to pull money from your goals. And going back to rule one, where we are assigning all the way down to zero, I think that is so important because it makes the trade-offs in our spending so clear. At my last house, it was a foreclosed townhouse. And from the beginning, I said, these floors are so bad, but it seemed like such a big thing to save up five or $6,000 for new flooring. But I was the queen of like going out and dropping $100 here or $75 at Sephora. And it wasn't until I started assigning all of my money down to zero that things started to feel real to me. As an example, you have a meal plan for the week, but you have a bad day and it gets to the end of the day and you think, you know what, I'm just going to order food and it's going to be $55. And you look through your spending plan and you don't have enough money in the dining out. So maybe your decision is, you know what? Yes, I do just want to order food tonight. And that's okay. There's no shame. YNAB is not going to tell you how to spend your money, but you do have to pull that $55 from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so when it came to the point where I was having to pull money out of that flooring category, now the conversation is a little bit different in my mind. Do I want this takeout more than I finally want to get beautiful floors in my home? You know what? Maybe it can be a cereal night or maybe you still order the DoorDash. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. But you are giving yourself, building yourself a little room in your budget. And I just, I love that. And that was something that just clicked with me. And I think about that a lot with these people who, of course, like we all want the nice things in life and a spending plan should just be a way for you to get more of that without any of the shame that so often surrounds us in personal finance and spending decisions. Yeah. And I love how you're talking about the trade-offs, right? And how having those trade-offs right in front of you, it just boils down to a decision. It just boils down to, do I want to do this or do I want to do this? Like, which do I choose? And it puts you back in control and it puts you back in the driver's seat because what we were saying in the beginning, how, you know, even the word budget, right? I don't really even use the word budget that much because to a lot of people, it's just so visceral of like, ugh, budget and has such a negative connotation. And it's like, I have to say no to a bunch of things and it's restrictive. And all it's doing is it's like telling me what I can do and what I can't do. And it's like, when you view it this way, it's not though, because when you view it of like, it's priorities, it's like, do I want the $55 DoorDash or do I want the new floors? What's more important to me in this moment? And to your point, like some nights, like I'll be honest, some nights I'm like, screw the floors, like give me the DoorDash. (laughs) You know what I mean? But it's like, that's my choice. That's my choice. And that's my decision. And I have such a clear understanding of like what the trade off to that decision is versus just being like willy nilly, doesn't matter, having no visibility into, I know consequences is, is like a strong word, but it's like 
into let's call it the ripple effects of just those daily choices that we're making with our money. Because to your point, I think a lot of people get into the mindset of like, I can't afford $5,000 new floors, but yet it's like, when they actually look at their spending, they're spending, you know, $500 a month at Sephora every month. Right. It's like, well, you could, it's just, you're not choosing to. And I think when you can clearly see that trade-off between those two things, it's game changing. It's like, oh, okay. Okay. Now this is my choice. I'm back in control over this. I do have some practical tips for somebody listening and wanting, but then I have a question for you because, and I'll get to that because I feel like you touch on in your episode, something that I shy away from. So these are my very practical tips. The first is kind of a trite phrase we hear a lot in personal finance, but it's to pay yourself first. Mm -hmm. And that is like, when I get my paycheck, I don't even see some of the money. Some go straight to my retirement account, my health savings account, and then I have an auto import into my investing. So right off the bat, you are setting yourself up for success. My second tip is to see yourself in your budget. So when I'm looking over all of my different spending categories, if you looked at mine, you'd be like, oh, well, Ashley has these different hobbies. She has a cat that holy moly costs her a lot. (laughs) And then there's also like built in for some fun things. So I would love to know what would be something fun, like a treat that Paige would treat herself to on a day where maybe you're just like, I'm having a day and I just want a little something. Oh gosh. Books. Books are my vice. I have like a personal development category in my budget. So whether it's like books or maybe it's like a coaching program or something like that. I actually just talked about this in the last episode, but my dip manicures, I'm like, you will not be able to pry my dip manicures out of my cold, lifeless, dead hands. Like (laughs) I would give up a basic necessity before I would give up my dip manicures. So I think personal development, my dip manicures, I'm trying to think what else I'm really big on like convenience. So like, if you look at my budget, I spend a lot of money just like buying back my time and making my life easier. I talk about this sometimes on the podcast. I'm like, something about me is like, I'm not like a super like adventurous person. I mean, mean, I'm not like, I'm super introverted. I'm a homebody. It's like when I'm not working, I want to be curled up on the couch with my husband and my daughter and like watching a movie. But what that takes is like freeing up my time. And so I spend a lot of money paying other people do stuff for me that I just like don't want to do, or I know that they're better at doing than I am. So you'll see like personal development, you'll see convenience, and then you will see some beauty items. So fun. Thank you for sharing. Okay. So to recap, pay yourself first, add some fun to your budget, add personality to your spending plan. Like let's see what's important to you. And then the third thing is a wish list. There are some times where I'm out and I do have an impulse to spend. And I know that it's more, I would have to be doing a lot of moving money around. And I almost think that I get like a little jolt from even adding something to the wish list. I have an actual wish list in Notion, but I also have a Pinterest board and that's fun playing around with that and just let it sit. And the power and the pause between wanting and actually making the purchase is so powerful. I feel like those are three practical tips for somebody and listening to your episodes, you deal with emotions a lot more than I do. I'm a Enneagram three. Me too. I'm pushing the emotions aside. Me too. Let's achieve. Like go, go, go. Productive, productive, productive. Yeah, me too. So if somebody's listening, and this is even for myself, like I'm asking from just a personal place, how do you work through the emotions of I'm having a bad day and it's maybe would be easier to make an impulse purchase than to work through something? 
Well, it's funny you call you say a wish list. I call it like a things I want to buy list, but that's something that I always and mine is a note. It's so funny the similarities. I I keep mine in Notion as well. So with the emotional part, I think it's a huge part. I always say that ninety percent of the battle is just one in your head, and so it's recognizing all the times because typically I feel like when somebody's gotten to this point, they've done it enough to realize that it doesn't actually work that the impulse buy or whatever, like it's not going to solve for the problem that they think it's going to solve for. And so I always say like, take five to 10 minutes to just like feel the feeling. And I'm always like, I know this sounds really cheesy, but like get yourself to a place where you feel comfortable and safe and alone, maybe go to your bedroom. Or maybe like, if you're at work, there's like, I don't know, like a little corner, like a conference room that you can go in or whatever, but just like breathe through the emotion, feel the emotion. I call it the urge to splurge the urge to splurge. Like we think like, Oh my God, it's like, it's so much. And it's, it's so powerful. The reality of it is, is if you don't fight against it, it's only going to last a couple of minutes. Hmm. It's only going to last a couple of minutes. So I'm like, step one is to allow the urge, feel the feeling. And then I always say step two is to add it to your wish list, your things I want to buy list, because to your point, there's so much power in the pause, but also by doing that too, you still get a dopamine hit you still get a hit of dopamine when you're adding that to your list, just as much as if you were actually to go out and buy the thing. And that's really what we're after. What we're after is like the treat, the dopamine, that little hit that's like, Ooh, that feels good. Your things I want to buy list, your wish list is such a powerful tool that 90% of the time is going to get the job done of like ultimately what you're seeking, which is kind of just like a little bit of emotional reprieve. And I always say too, like I have a lot of tools writing a letter to yourself. But I also say like, I think this is powerful too. make a list of all the stuff that you've bought in the past that you bought impulsively that now that you have some perspective, you're like, I wish I hadn't bought that. Cause sometimes it's like, you can pull up the list and you can see all the stuff that you like bought in the past where you're like, okay, I've been here before. I felt this way before. Here's all the stuff. And even putting a dollar amount to it. I bought this item for this amount of money. I think just kind of like snaps you back into reality of And then I'll say too, one more tip that I have is just like having things that you can do other than shopping. I think a really good one is decluttering because I think decluttering is kind of like a double whammy. It's like, A, you're just decluttering and B, it also, again, it kind of puts things in perspective for you of like, oh my gosh, like look at all this stuff that I already have. Like there's so much beauty in what you already have. And it it really kind of gets you in this mindset of like, I don't need to go out and like spend a bunch of money and buy a bunch more things in this moment when I'm feeling emotional because look at all this stuff I already have. So decluttering is like a great one, but do what works for you. Go on a walk, listen to a podcast, call a friend. Yes. All of those things are going to give you the dopamine hit as well, but it's Mm -hmm. tricky. Listen, I know Ashley will agree to this and I'll say this easier said than done. Totally understand. But we said at the beginning, it's a skill. It's something that you have to practice and you're not going to be perfect at it every single time. And I love what you said about the little treat culture. My kind of thoughts on the little treat culture is I'm like, this is my same theory on girl math. I'm like, if you're following these rules, if you're following this method, you don't need girl math. Not to say that you can't give yourself little treats, but you don't have to justify it to yourself. You don't have to be like, oh, let me go get myself a little treat. I've been good or I did this. Because what we do is like when we've had a bad day, we want to go spend. When we have a good day, we want to go spend. So it's like either way, let's either go celebrate or let's go make myself feel better with spending. And it's like when you're following these rules, you don't have to go through all those like mental gymnastics and those hoops and the negotiation and the justification. It's like if you want to go to Starbucks and it's in your plan, just go to Starbucks. You know what I mean? It's like, it's fine. It's fine. Like you don't have to be like, 
oh, let me get myself a little treat. Cause to me, I'm like, that makes money conditional, which I don't like. It makes money be like, I've been good. So let me reward myself with my money. And I'm like, money doesn't have to be this like conditional resource to your point and everything we've talked about here. It's like, it's meant to be something that's a tool in your life to express yourself, to get yourself to where you want to go. It doesn't have to be this thing that you like hold over your head, kind of like a carrot of like, oh, I've been good. So let me go treat myself. It's like, make a plan for it. And if you want the Starbucks or you want the little like, you know, treat from here, treat from there, like go get it. You've planned for it ahead of time. Agree. A thousand percent. Well, this has been so fun. Is there anything else that you want to add? I know we've like covered a ton, but anything else that you want to add or just one big takeaway that you want somebody to take from the conversation today before we wrap? That you are here even listening to this is such a huge step and it's incredible. And I think what Paige's tagline and my own life experience of managing your money, learning to spend is a skill and it's one you can get better at and you are in an excellent place to learn more and you've got this. I'm just so excited to be able to speak to your audience and introduce them if they haven't heard of YNAB before. And of course, I would love every single person listening. We have a 30-day free trial, no credit card required, but these rules are bigger than a specific app. However you manage your money, these rules can make a difference in your life and give you control and put you in the seat where you are driving yourself and your life where you want to go. Yeah. And I'll say this y'all. So what I will do is I will put a link to a YNAB trial in the show notes. So if you want to start a trial, you can do that in the show notes. And then if you go to my website, there's also a part of my website with money recommendations. So YNAB is on my website under the budgeting recommendations. But I just have to say YNAB is so fantastic about when you start using YNAB, it's not even just this app that you're using. I am telling you, I have never seen like a culture or a fan base, like the YNAB fan base. I mean, people become ride or dies. This is just how I've experienced YNAB with myself and also with other people, like hundreds of people that I've referred to YNAB. YNAB is one of those things where, like I said, it's either going to click or it's not going to click. And once it clicks, it clicks and you're like die hard. And once you're, once you're a YNAB user, it's not even like, oh, this is just something that I use. It's like, this is part of my lifestyle now. And you really do become a part of a community. And you guys do such a fantastic job of like bringing people into that community and also making them feel like they have the resources that they need. There is so many videos, so many trainings, so many resources. There's like, I think several Facebook groups out there that you can join where it's like, if you go in there and you ask a question, you will get a hundred answers from people. And like, sometimes I'll have women in my, I have a Facebook group for my membership. And sometimes people will ask a YNAB question. And I'm like, listen, I'm always happy to answer your YNAB question. I always tell people, I'm like, go join this because you might have to wait a day to get a response from me. If you go and post it in the YNAB group, you're going to get like a hundred <laughs> responses in like 10 minutes. So I just have to say, if this seems scary and overwhelming to you, like I said, they have a free trial. You can try it before you buy it. And you guys just do such a great job of making people feel supported. So anyways, I just want to give you kudos on that because it's it's really unlike anything I've ever seen in any other method or software out there to manage your money. Thank you so much. I do. You talk a lot about identity and yeah. I do think that our community helps people identify like, oh, I yeah. now I'm this, I'm a wine ever. I, of course, of course I give every dollar a job. That's just part of who I am. So yes, free trial, but we also have 
live workshops. You can come join us on YouTube. My coworker, Sarah, runs the Wine Up TikTok and it's incredible. So, so many resources and we would love to see people around. Yeah, I love it. Okay, there's one more thing I have to say. I know I've been talking a lot in this episode, but y'all y'all know I love YNAB and you know I get excited about this, okay? I'm a little hyper right now. One last thing I want to say is this is something I commonly hear from people is, why would I ever pay for a software to manage my money better? And my response is like, why wouldn't you? So, okay, here's my take on it. I'm like, do you even understand how much money you are going to save yourself across so many different avenues, across reducing impulse buys, across paying off credit card debt and reducing the amount of interest you're going to pay, across not having to pay late fees anymore, overdraft fees? The ROI that I get from YNAB is tenfold, probably. Investing your money into YNAB you're going to get like a much higher ROI than like investing that money, like even in the stock market or some sort of securities, I guarantee you. And so sometimes it's like funny to me how people are like, why would I ever pay for a software that's going to help me manage my money better? I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, uh, I feel like people need to understand. Yes, this is something that you have to pay for. They have an annual plan and they have a monthly plan. So they have those two options to help you, whatever works best with your budget. But you are going to reap the rewards over mm. and over and over and over. I just have to say that too, because that's a common thing I hear from people. And it just doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, I get it. I understand why people think that way, but I want to address that too, because I've I've heard it enough times to know like, okay, enough people are out there thinking this. So needs to be said. I will say I tried many different apps before landing on YNAB. And when I got that ad and saw there was a price, I thought, will this just be another time I spend money because... If you ever want me back on another episode, we could talk about aspirational spending because that is my Yes, huge. So I was like, will this be me spending money to make myself feel good right now? And it'll just be another app that I fail yeah. keeping up with. I actually saw, scrolled a little bit further down on the page and saw that YNAB had a book. And I thought, well, like you, I'm love a book. Let me read that first. And the book goes over the four rules, just like what Paige and I talked about today. And getting to the end of that book, I said this is valuable. This will add to my life. We spend here today, like we are working our jobs. We are creating businesses. We are doing side hustles. We are giving so much energy to get money. Of course, this is going to be something that I might have to put a little bit money into, but I will receive so much benefit on the end. Yeah. 100%. I'll also make sure to link the YNAB book. You guys, I do recommend like if you do decide, if you go through the free trial and then you're like, yes, this is something that I'm going to commit to read the book because the book helps everything click just a little bit faster. At least it certainly did for me. And then just so people know, what is the price? It's $99 a year. If you do the annual, the monthly plan is $14.99 a month. The annual plan is $99. So that comes out to $8 and 25 cents a month. So it's like $80 in savings. Perfect. I do the annual plan y'all. And then guess what? If, well, you don't have to do the annual plan, but listen, if you do the annual plan, it's just a perfect opportunity for you to practice the second rule of embracing your true expenses, right? Cause you're going to do it and you're like, okay, here we go. Now I'm gonna have to pay $99 a year from now. But like I said, totally worth it and hope all of you check it out. So Ashley, thank you for being here. I've loved this conversation. I've wanted to do an episode on YNAB for a really long time. So this was really fun. It was a joy to talk to you. I love anytime I get the chance to talk about the four rules. It is so fun for me. Awesome. Well, we'll have you back to talk about aspirational spending because we could, we could literally talk for an hour about aspirational (laughs) spending. So we'll do that. All right. See you later. 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Money Love Podcast. If you're loving the podcast, then I want to invite you to join me in the Overcoming Overspending membership. It's where we take this work deeper and apply the concepts and coaching from each week's episode into your own life. By being a member, you have exclusive access to my Overcoming Overspending process, 10 monthly live coaching calls with me, a private podcast, members-only community, monthly money topic and challenge, bonus courses, and so much more. There's nowhere else like it out there to level up your finances and life. Simply go to overcomingoverspending.com to join and you can enter in the code MLP30 at checkout to save $30 on your first month inside the membership. See you inside.